This is the Only in Miami show, sponsored by Morningside Mortgage Corporation of Bay Harbor Island. Tonight's show is hosted by Grant Stern. Find out more about our sponsor at www.morningsidemortgage.com. That's www.morningsidemortgage.com. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And if you're in the car, kick those shoes off and stay tuned. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight with a diverse cast of guests, starting with, in the beginning of the show, Annette Tadeo, she is the candidate for District 26 Congressional, uh, well, she's going to be running for Congress, District 26, which covers the Florida Keys, uh, Westchester, much of Kendall, uh, and basically everything in the south side of the city. She's going to be on with us for about 15 minutes at the top of the show. Then we've got a call in from the Sun Ghosts, that's right. They are on the way back from Jacksonville, and they just released an EP. They have a con- a contest going on, and they're going to give us a call right around 7.20 tonight. So stay tuned for that. And then at 8.30, we are going to have a very, very special guest from OccupyDemocrats.com. Founder and publisher Omar Rivera will be in studio with us for just a few minutes. And at the end of the 7 o'clock hour, we will have Manuel Sid. He is a Miami Lakes councilman who has just or is planning on announcing his run for mayor uh, in Miami Lakes, which has been a much-talked-about position over the last few years, and he'll be on the program at 740. So stick around. It's going to be a great show tonight. Now, first, I get a few minutes to speak with you directly, the audience, about issues of importance that affect us all in Miami and sometimes beyond. And tonight, I wanted to highlight some news that's actually happening out of Texas, but it's some national political news that's been much discussed and led to other things happening. It is, of course, the hoax videos that were issued saying that Planned Parenthood was some sort of monstrous uh, factory of biological profit. Uh, These hoax videos became a national political phenomenon when Republican Carly Fiorina brought them up during a GOP presidential primary debate talking about baby parts. And then later, barely weeks later, a very disturbed individual went to a Planned Parenthood clinic in Colorado and opened fire, uh, killing a police officer, a veteran, a war veteran, several other citizens, injuring numerous. And when he was arrested, he said that he was a warrior for the babies. He, He did it because no more baby parts. And today, here comes the news, the official news, 
that a Texas grand jury in Houston, of all places, a very conservative, conservative red state grand jury, laid down an indictment on those who made the video and cleared Planned Parenthood. They cleared Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood mostly is a women's health clinic and does very little in the abortion arena, and they they cleared Planned Parenthood, but they returned an indictment on the hoax video creators. And it's a sad story, but also instructive, which is to say that when you see something that is too crazy to be actually real and not named Sarah Palin, reserve judgment, because it may just be a hoax. And it's very rare to see a hoax video. There's thousands and thousands of videos that get published all across the country all of the time. But here was one. When it's too crazy to be real, it just might be. So stay tuned. We've got a great show. We'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live with Annette Tadeo. Annette, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. My pleasure. Great to be here with you. <laughs> it is. It is. So for full disclosure to our audience, I have donated to Annette's campaign. She is running for District 26 Congresswoman. And Annette, please tell our audience a little bit about where District 26 is, because there's a new boundary for the district this year. I know. Isn't it great? We, the voters, voted that we didn't want the politicians drawing their maps according uh, to their own uh, survive, survivor uh, mode that they're always in. So finally, we get the maps drawn in a way that is uh, fair. 
Um, so yes, uh, our map now goes from 8th Street, which it did before, uh, right. all the way to Key West. But it's the western side of Miami-Dade County. But um, Homestead, the city of Homestead is no longer divided into two cities or two districts. So um, now it has all of the city of Homestead, of Homestead votes for yes. District 26. Yes, which is actually you know a very democratic area in Miami-Dade County. Sure. Um, in addition to that, um, we have uh, Perrine, West Perrine. Uh, and the parts that they took out to add those were little sections of um, uh, of uh, Westchester. So um, obviously those are areas that uh, are not as favorable to a Democrat. So we're very excited. The district becomes a district that um, I carried by seven points when I was on the ticket with Charlie Chris uh, for lieutenant governor. And it becomes a seat that Obama carried in 2012 by 11.5. So double digits. So just to give you an idea of how big that is, I mean, in in the area of St. Petersburg, uh, the current congressman, David Jolly, ran away because the seat was going to become so much more Democratic and he's running for Senate. And that seat is not as uh, is, is not as big uh, of a shift towards Democrats as this one is. So. So tell our audience a little bit about your experience in politics with the Democratic Party and why you'd make a good congresswoman from District 26? Well, um, I got started in politics when I uh, ran in an impossible race, uh, which was uh, a race against Juliana Rosletten in 2008. Uh, it was, a, you know, obviously a change year with Barack Obama on the ticket. And, and by the way, isn't that the only challenge that she has faced since then, and I don't think she well, actually, faced a challenge she, for a no, long time she, before then. Never, ever. That was the only one. She won in a special election. A lot of people don't know that. Um, and um, and since then, really had no race. And we gave her uh, a real race uh, to worry about. Uh, we were outspent tremendously. I had, you know, very, although I was encouraged to run by the party, the party didn't really support my uh my race, uh, but we raised a lot of money. We raised $1.3 million, which, you know, in 2008 was a lot of money, and especially for, for a race that everybody considered it was impossible to win. Uh, especially but, you know, for a pre-Citizens United race, that's a, a exactly. fortune. And even today, that's a lot of money uh, exactly. for any political race. So we, you know, I mean, it was, it was uh, the Democrats decided to challenge all three Hispanic Republicans uh, in Miami-Dade County. Back then, it was the two Diaz-Balart brothers and Ileana. And as it is usual, uh, the boys take the easier races, and, you know, the girl <laughs> got the tough race, the unwinnable race. But that's fine. I, I'm never afraid of a tough race, and I proved that by running against her and running a great race and outperforming what everybody expected. So... Uh, from then, I continued to be very engaged. And as you know, I became the chair of the Miami-Dade Democratic Party uh, and very engaged after re-electing President Obama when I took a leave of absence um, to help re-elect him in 2012. And, um, and as chair of the Democratic Party, I really worked very hard to revitalize and energize our, our party uh, to encourage candidates to run. And we started raising money and playing in races that the party had never really played in. And I think we made a huge difference. We started winning uh, mayoral races in places like Homestead, um, city council seats in Miami Beach, um, and other, you know, and obviously from then our real 
uh, goal by doing those little races uh, and participating in them was to be able to uh, change our county commission. We needed one more vote to make a difference in votes that really matter. For example, we were trying to change the ordinance in Miami-Dade County to expand um, uh, for sexual orientation to to include everyone and not exclude anyone. And it, it, it worked because we elected Daniela Levin-Cava. So I'm very proud of having been a part of that movement and that change. And I really believe that we're at that stage where Miami-Dade County is changing. Uh, it's very blue. And we just need to have people willing to fight the fight, willing to get in races that are tough and... Um, and, 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 hey, sometimes lose, but you learn so much. I've learned always from my mistakes or from my uh, barriers along the way, and I think they make me a stronger person and certainly a stronger candidate. So, Annette, tell me what you see as the number one issue in Florida's 26th district, which is currently a seat held by Republican Carlos Curbelo. What is the number one constituent concern right now? Oh my gosh, there's there's actually quite a few, so it's really hard to narrow it down. Give to me the one. top but three. Top, top three, three. Top three. Income inequality, uh, for sure. We have uh, uh, a district in the western side of Miami-Dade County that there's a lot of hardworking people uh, just trying to live paycheck to paycheck, and I think they they definitely would like to have in Washington a representative that understands what it's like to count your pennies, to live paycheck to paycheck, to work at minimum wage, which should be uh, definitely 15 an hour. Um, so there are, there are those issues of, of just trying to get ahead. Um, and many of them are like me, entrepreneurs that started a business and just went, <laughs> went from, uh, you know, from, from just, I believe in a dream into a reality. And, uh, and that's, that's wonderful. That's why, you know, America's so great. But, uh, right now we have a situation where just a lot of, Things are, are in the way for regular, hardworking folks, and we need more opportunities. So that's one issue. The other issue that is huge and very, very important is obviously climate change. Uh, our, our entire southern tip of Florida is going to be completely underwater, and certainly huge parts of my district since it goes all the way to Key West. Um, so this is an issue that is very near and dear to my heart that I care tremendously about. But it also goes back to the income inequality. It's a huge job creator because if we really invest in energy innovation and the jobs that we really should be investing in today, we can create so many, so many wonderful opportunities for work for so many hardworking people that would love to have that opportunity. And then we won't be underwater. <laughs> sure. It's, it's a huge issue that's impacting all of us, but... The Florida Keys is a chain of islands that's mostly at sea level, and it's not a very large chain of islands. I mean, each island by itself. Um, yeah. So what's number three? What is the number three largest issue facing? Because th those are both very large issues, but obviously um, you have in some ways a divided district in that in the Keys, sea level rise is going to be the number one concern on the mainland, income inequality. But Where do the I two meet? The, before I go into the third one, also the, 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 the fact that there's sea level rise and that there's all this climate change and issues going on affects the economy tremendously. Why? Because 
People are not going to, you know, we already know we have an insurance crisis. We have problems getting insurance. It's super, super expensive. So that's one problem that affects, that comes from that main issue of climate change. But also it's going to become down the road, banks are usually about 20 years ahead of time. What's going to happen is we're not even going to be able to get mortgages, which is going to affect our real estate values. And that's going to be a huge problem for our district if we don't start thinking way ahead into the future as to how to prevent all this from happening. Um, and the, the third issue is education. I mean, obviously, without uh, the opportunity uh, for, for us to educate ourselves, for our kids to have a uh, you know, quality education opportunity for, to go to college, uh, you know, it's really hard to get ahead. We have a heavy immigrant community. And uh, as someone who has a, had a hard time getting into college <laughs> because my English was so limited, uh, and uh, and the financial help uh, that was there was was essential uh, for me to become the successful businesswoman woman that I became. So let's talk about that because I get an occasional email from these gentlemen at the uh, National Republican Congre uh, Congress Committee, and they talk <laughs> about how you live in a big home uh, adjacent to the district. Um, so why is that a campaign issue? How How'd you get a nice home if you had trouble getting into college? I mean, how, <laughs> how is this a campaign problem? Because the Republicans are bringing it up. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I guess they're against the American dream, which is what I've done. I built a business from scratch I, uh, 20 years ago. It's, you know, wholesome business translating languages. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, it grew and was very successful. It, it still is. And I'm very proud that I have worked hard. I've never lived off of the government. I've never lived off of lobbying. I've never made any money off of politics. On the contrary, um, I want to do this because I want people to know that, you know, when, well, a lot, a lot of opportunity has been given to you when you have opportunities and you have been successful. I mean, now it's time to give back. And it's not about, um, you know, having a big house or, uh, you know, having a, a big business or getting any bigger. For me, it just became about serving the public and giving others opportunity to live that American dream that I've been able to do. So I say, bring it on, attack me all you want for being successful. I, you know, I, I think that that's what we all should strive to. And we should have representatives that think that everybody else deserves the opportunity to do that. Well, speaking of representatives, um, it is the primary that you're running in right now, the Democratic primary. Do you think that we will see a competitive Democratic primary? Cause well, I, don't, I don't know if we'll have one. Uh, honestly, we'll see. Uh, as of right now, there's a lot of talk. But, you know, I've now been in this race uh, uh, a good 10 months. And uh, 10 months have been running hard, visiting in the district, raising money, doing all the things that we need to do to prepare. And uh, I... I, you know, there's there's just a lot of talk. And honestly, I don't blame uh, people. You know, the district looks really, really good. And uh, and the, so I don't I don't blame them for for looking at it. Well, one one last question. And it's something that someone brought up. And I was like, well, why is this a campaign issue? But uh, they said, well, Annette is not raising a lot of money from Hillary Clinton's donors. <laughs> uh, what is your response to that? I. You know who I'm raising money from? Who? We have over 5,000 donors. 
I mean, for a congressional race to have over 5,000 donors and our average contribution under $100, that's who I'm raising money from. I'm not running to be the representative of, you know, the, the very select few that can write humongous checks. And honestly, we'd probably prefer to have Corbello there because, after all, he's a lobbyist, like many of them. And they know I can't be bought. I'm not for sale. And so, yes, I'm the people's candidate. Over 5,000 people have invested in, in the belief that we can do this. And you know what? Citizens United is the worst thing that ever happened, that decision uh, to our political system. And I'm very, very proud to have the endorsement of N Citizens United and of many, many people. So, um, so no, I'm very proud of the campaign. Um, we, you know, we have raised quite a bit of money. We are actually in the top... Uh, enchalant uh, of challenger races. And sure. so we're doing great. Well, Annette, thank you so much for joining me on the program tonight. Where can our audience find out more about your campaign and where can they reach out to you on Twitter? Well, um, our website is AnnetteTadeo.com. On Twitter is Annette underscore Tadeo and Tadeo is with double D. Um, and I look forward to chatting with everybody. And also we have an office in front of FIU. Our FIU campus, uh, main campus, is in our district. And we are in the process of uh, doing a grand opening. But we are here already. And we have interns. We have 24 interns uh, from FIU. That's awesome. And volunteers are welcome. So, yes, we are ready. We are in campaign mode. This is campaign year. Uh, very excited about winning this race and keeping this seat in our hands. All righty. Well, Annette, again, thank you very much for coming on the program tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Grant. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. Only in Miami show disclosure, Grant Stern, the host of the Only in Miami show, has given a political contribution to Annette Tadeo.
Oh, welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live with Jared from the Sun Ghost. Jared, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Hey, you're welcome, brother. No problem. Thanks for having me. Dude, my pleasure. Congratulations on the new EP released. Dude, thank you so much. We've been getting such great feedback on it, and it was an ultimate pleasure to record the thing. I just, I, I can't believe how, how well people have, have been digging it and how, how greatly received it's been. It, it, it's been an excellent experience and a, and a wonderful release. Well, t- tell our audience the name of it and where they can find out a little bit more, because we were just listening yeah. to track two, Till the City Goes Under. Absolutely, absolutely. The, uh, the EP, the mini uh, album preview that we put out is called uh, Parcelion, and it's a four-song preview to um, a record, a 14-track record that we'll be releasing uh, later this year, uh, hopefully in March. So you guys are playing all over the state right now. Where are you guys playing just uh, last night? Oh, my God. I just got back uh, last night. Oh, it was, it was excellent. We had a show in Jacksonville. Um, at the 1904, which had two Jacksonville bands, like local boys, um, and another band that we're friends with that they're brand new. They're called 1980X, and it was wow. I mean, we had such a great time. I am not used to the cold at all, so I enjoyed the uh, the little the hot flashes that I got after the show to load out, and then after that, I got freezing cold again. Um, <laughs> but it was a fun cold night i mean it it's we played in jacksonville last year just to see how it would be um you know we hear that that it's a good city and they they've got a lot of different venues the strip that we played on had like another two venues on it we were like in heaven we couldn't believe it um and they also had a really really cool music store there but we played there last year to you know two or three people um and now it was incredible to see the amount of pull that we had you know the, the kind of draw um in jacksonville this time around you know we we had you know a, a we had a full event with you know, with lights you know the, the great stage you know and all the all these people showed up you know hey we follow you guys on twitter hey you guys look like you're having a great time and you're from miami and we love your music i mean there's it, it's a it's a cool feeling already when you're playing you know in your hometown and you have everybody like come out and see you, but to go to all these different places, you know, now in Florida where you have these people coming out and they're following you on, on your social media and they're keeping up with your tunes or they found you on a playlist on Spotify. It's, it's a very excellent feeling. It's been very, very cool. That is awesome. So you, you guys actually have a contest going on right now for Okeechobee Fest, right? Yeah, Okeechobee, uh, the music festival, which is, you know, so it, it, it's going to be, you know, along the lines of uh, equivalent to, you know, like uh, oh, pretty much their version of a Bonnaroo, you know, music festival. You go there, you hit it up, you camp out, you know, you, you bring all your friends and you just get bombarded by all these these acts. And there's something for everybody. There's They, they got headliners spanning, I don't know how many genres. I mean, you got Skrillex. And Robert Plant on the same bill. I mean, I don't know where else you can you can go to to get that. It's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, well, what's even cooler is they ended up having a little contest um, on Facebook. They gave local bands an opportunity to 
to to get their fans, you know, to to like and share a picture from their uh, from the Okeechobee Facebook. They went ahead and they posted um, a picture from all the uh, the um, the uh, how do you say it? The the attendees. So I'll tell you what the, uh, uh, we just they, retweeted that. On all of our channels, on at Only in Miami on Twitter, on at Grant Stern, at 880. So if you're out there in the car and you want to vote for the Sun Ghosts, if you like the music that you heard at the beginning of this segment, um, definitely hop on there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can go You can go to the, uh, the easiest way to do it is Facebook.com slash Sun Official. You got right it. Right when you get on there. There's, there's a picture that you can like and share for the Okeechobee Festival, and I even got an instructional video on how to do it. You can check that out, too. And when you vote, you get a free pin that I send to you. Oh, so it sounds like people have to vote tonight, right? You get a free pin. Uh, well, I mean, you know, uh, there's, there's a nice little benefit, you know. <laughs> it's a nice <laughs> one there. But uh, we had uh, our artist designed, uh, you know, uh, a little a little pin. Or, you know, because when you vote, you know, for campaigns, you know, political campaigns, you always get like a little pin or something. So we decided to be cool and to be fun. Uh, when you vote for us, we're doing the, we're doing the festival. We're going to play it in our underwear. So it's the no pants party. So we've been the whole campaign is in the no pants party campaign. And uh, the pin is awesome. It's got, it's got a pair of underwear with our logo on it. And you can only get it when you vote for us. So it's, uh, it's like an exclusive piece of merch. And, it's uh, it's helped out the campaign tremendously. We've gotten like great feedback from that. So, so Jared, one more time, where can our fans vote for the Sun Goes to play at Okeechobee Fest? Where do they have to go online? Facebook.com slash Sun Official. And right there. they can find you on Twitter also, right? Yep. Yep. Find us on Twitter at Sun Band. At Sun Ghosts band well jared thank you so much for coming on the program we're going to play one more track off the ep this is bb gun so next time you're gonna have to bring the rest of the band into the studio sound like fun hey we'll have to it sounds amazing thanks for having me again it was an absolute pleasure and we'll be right back this is the only in miami show Oh, baby, I think about you daily. I'm a dragon, but just slay me. No other girl could do.
wanna be the very best. Oh, welcome back. This is the Only in Miami show, and I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co, iTunes, Podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live in studio with Omar Rivero, the founder and publisher of OccupyDemocrats.com. Omar, thank you so much for joining us in the studio tonight for a few minutes. It's my pleasure. It's good to be back. It is. So tell our audience a little bit about Occupy Democrats. You guys have been very busy this past year. I hear you guys even won an award. Sure. Um, we were founded over three years ago uh, after I went to Sukati Park uh, with my twin brother. Um, his name is Rafael, by the way. Uh, we went to Sukati Park and met with the folks from the Occupy movement. Um, had a bit of a disagreement with them about the best route to take, the best way to move forward. Um, they believed that the Occupy movement should stay away from politics. Uh, it's kind of the opposite of what the Tea Party did. So they started a populist movement outside of the Washington establishment, and then they infiltrated it in order to you know, push their brand of change, which, of course, was completely the opposite of the Occupy movement's brand of change. Um, so we came back home and decided to start Occupy Democrats to give a voice to those folks who support the general tenets of the Occupy movement, such as, you know, scaling back socioeconomic inequality, financial regulation, middle and working class, uh, bread and butter issues, but also support the Democratic Party and think that they are the best vehicle uh, through which we can move those forward. Um, so since then, we've grown very rapidly. Uh, we're the fastest growing political page in the country, well, political movement in the country. And just this past year, uh, CrowdTangle did an analysis of the most influential progressive Democrat, progressive Facebook pages in the country. And we came in first place, uh, doubling second place, which was Upworthy. Um, they had about 87 million people reached, uh, 87 million uh, likes, comments, and shares, which is a measure of engagement. And we had uh, double that, about 170 million last year. That's quite a lot, 170 million Facebook interactions. Yeah. It was, so, uh, it's actually a record. So. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. A record for political pages. Wow. So, um, I mean, what kind of stories are you guys sharing on Occupy Democrats? Because it is a, a news website, essentially. Yeah, uh, we do very little editorial pieces, although, I mean, we do news. We Basically, we check out the news of the day in the morning, and then we put our Occupy Democrats, I wouldn't call it spin, but we put our, our touch on it, uh, basically um, repackage uh, news stories that were are done by CNN, but they don't, you know, they don't really fully divulge everything that you need to know, or they let Republicans get away with murder, literally. <laughs> um, so we you know, we put the blame where it where it belongs. We're very hard hitting. Uh, we're not afraid to say that we support Democrats. Um, we support not just Democrats, but organizations such as Planned Parenthood. Uh, we support Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, raising the minimum wage, uh, regulating Wall Street. And our, our articles reflect that, and I think uh, that's a big part of our success. I think we're one of the only organizations that's really laying out the truth, and the people are responding to it very favorably. So, I mean, yeah, t tell our audience a few more of the topics that you guys hit, because you mentioned Planned Parenthood. Uh, you know, one of your stories is the reason why I you know, made tonight's editorial about Planned Parenthood. But some of the, give us some of the other mo more recent stories, not just topics, but stories you guys have reported on in Occupy sure. Democrats that maybe the mainstream media hasn't caught on to or left out that one key detail that actually illuminates the public for what's really going on. 
um, in politics. It's funny you say that because uh, while we were, while I was waiting for my time to speak, uh, I was working on something. We just published a story, a bombshell story, six minutes ago, that the mainstream media completely missed and forgot about. Um, a newly declassified memo proves that the Pentagon told Donald Rumsfeld before we went to war with Iraq, that there was absolutely no hard evidence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Uh, it just came out today. Nobody in the media has covered it. Uh, we were the first ones to publish it here on Facebook, and it's blowing up. It's got you know, 1,500 likes in four minutes, 621 shares in five minutes, and it's going viral. So it's a, it's a really good example of the kind of work that we do. Right. So, I mean, let's talk about this memo, because this is one of the most hotly debated topics in American politics today. Um, was it worthwhile to go into the Iraq war? And what did the generals and uh, what did they know? So what did they know? Why did we go into this tremendous war overseas? Well, the American people, well, the Bush administration, it wasn't just Rumsfeld, but it was Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, Bush himself, Condoleezza Rice. They crafted this very careful narrative that uh, Saddam Hussein was not only connected to bin Laden and the attacks on 9-11, but that they had weapons of mass destruction and were planning to use them imminently. So America was under imminent danger, so we must do a preemptive attack. But, what, I mean, there's some reasons that it just doesn't make sense on its face why Saddam would get involved with Islamic terrorists, right? Yeah, I mean, he was a pretty secular guy. He actually kept them all in check, and, and they actually hated each other. Uh, him and bin Laden could not stand each other. They were like two big bullies fighting over the playground. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we now know through this leaked memo that military generals, uh, they presented this very detailed memo. Uh, you can check it out on, on our news website at OccupyDemocrats.com where they admit that they have very little evidence and absolutely no hard evidence. And that's a direct quote, no hard evidence, um, even insinuating that there are weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. So, of course, Rumsfeld took that, uh, kind of threw it in the garbage. <laughs> I don't know what he did with that memo, but he, he hid the memo, and we all know what happened next. Uh, they presented their findings. They, they told America... Uh, well, they they fearmongered America. They terrified children. They you know they had uh, the uh, they had a system of a code a color coded system of alert. Yes, yes, so. where you could always just raise the <laughs> alert level. <laughs> well, you know, we're going to tell everybody there's a problem. Yeah. But and and it was all after the fact. There was never actually a problem when they raised an alert level, was there? And and it, it's just so ridiculous for us now, and it's easy for us to laugh about it. But you know, over a million people died in Iraq. Uh, we're 4,000 American soldiers. We wasted, uh, once once our interest payments, I mean, just in interest payments over the next 10 years, we're going to spend over $4 trillion. Yeah, what a bargain, $4 trillion. Uh, that could have funded uh, Bernie Sanders' plan to have free college education for the next 10 years. Um, and that would have been a much more worth, worthwhile investment of American money, uh, and not to mention the fact that all the spilled blood. Uh, I, always, I always like to um, bring up uh, the the truth that over a million people died in Iraq. So it wasn't just the American soldiers, but the no, amount that's of, right. The a amount lot of, blood, of people yeah. died in Iraq, and then yeah. we see these these crises, these refugee crises. Yeah. But actually, they started as a Iraqi refugee crisis. Yeah, but we we destabilized the entire Middle East, and we created a vacuum. Um, and now Republicans have the audacity to blame President Obama for ISIS, when in reality they set the house on fire, and now they're blaming the fireman who's trying to put it out. Well, that's uh, 
the crazy shape of American politics today, I guess. But it's good that we have people out there like you at Occupy Democrats telling the truth. So tell our audience one more time where they can find you on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So you can search Facebook for Occupy Democrats or just type in facebook.com slash Occupy Democrats. Our news website is www.occupydemocrats.com. We publish about five or six uh, original news stories every day. And you could also find us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter at Occupy Democrats and on Instagram. Uh, you can follow us at Occupy Democrats as well. I hear there's a couple of memes there. So if you like memes, <laughs> yeah. definitely go on Instagram and find them on Occupy Democrats. And Omar, thank you so much for joining us in the studio tonight. Thank you, Grant. Hope to be back soon. Definitely. And we'll be right back. This is the Only in Miami show. This is the Only in Miami show. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Stern and everything about the show at www.onlyinmiami.co. iTunes, podcast, SoundCloud, and a whole lot more. Check it out at onlyinmiami.co. And we are back live. We've got guest Manny Sid, and he's going to stay on hold for just a minute because we've got a call in. We didn't even give out the number, but we got a call in with a question. We're going to take the question real fast. Caller, name and city. you got one minute with Omar Rivera from OccupyDemocrats.com. Hey, thanks. My name is Mark in Miami. So I have a question. You think Bernie Sanders is really electable? Uh, I would hate the Republicans to win if we choose Sanders and then, you know, he can't win against a Republican. Is it a throwaway vote or is he a real, real candidate? Not in your heart of hearts, but what do you think? Thanks. That's a great question. Thank you for calling in, Mark. You got one minute, Omar. Go ahead. Uh, Mark, uh, I think the problem is not whether he's electable. I think it's whether people know him or not. Once you get to know him, uh, even uh, Hispanics, mi minorities, working class folks, everybody actually absolutely loves the guy. And I can tell you firsthand that he's very, very, very popular with the American people. I work on social media. Um, I would say his posts are anywhere from three to four times more popular than making posts about Hillary Clinton. So once, once he gets out there on the campaign trail, if he wins the primary, and he gets out there on the campaign trail, and the media starts giving him the, me the attention that he deserves. I think he's, he's an experienced, polished politician. He's on the right side of every issue, and it's only a matter of time before the people back him, similar to what they did with President Obama. He wasn't very known as well. So uh, once he got out there on the campaign trail, the, pe the people liked what they saw, and they 
fell in line behind him and supported him on his way to victory. All righty. Thank you for your question, Mark. And Omar, thanks for sticking around. Let's bring on uh, Manny Sid. He is a city councilman in the town of Miami Lakes. Manny, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Thank you for having me on, Grant. It's a true pleasure. So, Manny, I understand that you are getting ready to seek the top seat in the city of Miami Lakes. Yeah, I filed uh, to run for Mayor Miami Lakes July, January 4th. You know, I owe this community a huge debt of gratitude. I grew up here since I was eight years old and, and enjoyed an incredible quality of life. So I just want to ensure that that same quality of life that I enjoyed throughout the years uh, is there for future Miami Lakers. So, Manny, tell our audience, um, how have you been involved up till now? Because you're you're in city council, but I'm sure that there's you know, a lot more than just being in city council to being involved in civic life in Miami Lakes. Absolutely, Grant. And before being elected to the city council, I was a senior legislative aide up in Tallahassee for seven years. You know, I started when I was uh, uh, 22 years old up in Tallahassee. And right off the bat, got incredible experience. I mean, I was presenting bills and, and committees for, for the representative in front of some of the most powerful committees up in Tallahassee that they appropriate $77 billion. So right off the bat, I, I enjoyed a great amount of, of experience, you know. So I, when I joined the council, I didn't, I didn't need any training wheels. You know, I was just off, off and running from day one. So that, that type of experience up in Tallahassee, writing laws, uh, and literally state statutes that are in the books today, I had a, had a huge role, role in, uh, in, in them from carbon monoxide bill to helping the Florida International University obtain medical staff from throughout the nation. I mean, I participated in those types of reforms and, and legislation. So, you know, it was it was uh, an easy transition to local government. And, and I can tell you, I mean, I folks folks usually get elected on the local level or on any level, and they need those training wheels for, for two, four years. And I, from day one, you know, we were off and running and, and, and focused on good government here in Miami Lakes. So what are the top uh, two or three issues that are facing residents of Miami Lakes as they go into this year's election cycle? So the biggest issue that we're facing right now, right now is traffic. I mean, I, I, I think that's something where, where it's difficult for us because the way that Miami Lakes was, was built and developed and planned, I mean, it's a beautiful community, and, and, and we, we did a great job in planning this town. But we're having major issues with traffic because we have development, huge developments, all around us, and, and we're going to have to find ways to work with the county and the state with all of our partners to mitigate that for our residents. So that's, that, that's the main issue uh, that, that, that we see in the forefront, and we're battling on a daily basis. Uh, well, the second issue is, is, is rebuilding you know, our brand. I, I think regardless of how you feel uh, of, about what happened in the last two years, I think there's no doubt about it that our name, the Miami Lakes brand, you know, the way that it was mentioned in the media, uh, definitely needs some some uh, TLC, and we need to work on that and, and, and show folks, listen, there, there, there was a success story here, and we've been working very hard for our residents, and it's not just how the media portrays us, but it's there's some realities here and some great projects that we've achieved in the past couple of years. So let's talk about, uh, we'll talk about the brand in a second, but I want to talk about the American Dream Miami Mega Mall. Um, that, that's planned to go just north of the city of Miami Lakes, right? That's to the northwest of Miami Lakes, and, right. and you know we're working very closely with the county, with Commissioner Bogle, to ensure that whatever traffic uh, incurs, whatever residual traffic, that we're able to mitigate that. And on top of that, we we've already asked the county to include us in the traffic study because we want to know what impact is that mall going to have 
to our to our city. I think it's one thing of saying, listen, the mall's going to have an impact, but the other thing is actually seeing it in writing. And our town manager has already begun that process. He's he's already engaged the county and said, listen, we need to be players at the table. We didn't even know what's going on, even though it's not in Miami Lakes proper and we don't vote for it, but we're, we might see some impacts and we need to know what those impacts are to make sure that we're fighting for our residents to mitigate those impacts. And and also there's another large-scale project uh, slated for just to the south of that. Is that inside of uh, the village of Miami Lakes, the Graham Project, the, as it's called? That is to that is not in Miami Lakes. That's west. That's actually west of Miami Lakes. Um, gotcha. So yeah, yeah. I mean, those but it are, is those another project. That, yeah. Although they're not in our in our boundaries, those are projects that we'll need to fight for our residents to ensure that there's no residual impact. You know, and I one thing is to to have development and economic development, which is something we all embrace. But the other part is the the traffic impact, regardless. If it's a great project, if it's not, we just need to work with all the shareholders to make sure that our residents' voices are heard loud and clear. Well, uh, you know, something that's it was a movement for some time in Miami-Dade County. Um, they called it the full annexation movement, which was the, the movement to get cities to take up as much land as possible um, so that the county wasn't, you know, providing basic services there, or at least so that everything was incorporated. Is that something that the city, uh, the village of Miami Lakes is considering with these mega projects on its borders? The issue is that it's not contiguous. So, I mean, there's nothing, we don't, our boundaries don't hit those sides. I mean, that, and that that train pretty much left the station years ago when the town decided not to annex everything west of 75, which the city of Hialeah did. If the town would have annexed everything west of 75, then there would have been an opportunity to go north. But at this moment, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult. And we actually amended our charter last year to ensure that any annexation going on, going from, from now to the future, that our residents will have the final vote. Because we always said, listen, our residents are shareholders in, in, in the corporation or in the, or in the, or in the, big, the big government or, or, or beautiful town government. So we got to make sure that they have the final say over what happens. You know? So we, we did change it in our charter. Now it's, it's in people's hands if, if they ever want to annex something or not. That's that's good to know. Um, so let's talk about the brand of the town of Miami Lakes. Um, you know, you guys are known for having uh, the very homey uh, downtown area, um, but there's been some turmoil lately. H- how could your administration avoid some of these headaches that seem to have bedeviled uh, the current administration at the town? Look, one one thing that's that's that was never talked about in the press during that whole turmoil. And, and like I said, regardless if you agree with it or not, was that the council, our town government, kept moving in the right direction. When all that was going on, we were building a brand-new uh, uh, teen center. We were building a brand-new Optimus Clubhouse. We were building new roads. We launched a new app. I mean, the amounts of projects and the amounts of success stories that were out there, never ne- they were never out there, and the media never actually played them or, or, or wrote any articles about them. But that's the real Miami Lakes, and that's the Miami Lakes that I think I, I have an incredible personal, uh, and, I, and I said I, I take it very personal because I grew up here. So that's that's exactly what I'm going to do, how my administration is going to approach it on a personal level because I do take whatever happens to this community personal because I live here, I grew up here, I'll be the first mayor who actually was raised here, and, and it just brings a different perspective. I, I not only played sports here, but I'm actually a coach now in, in, in baseball and soccer, for my uh, for my two boys, so it's something to me. It's very personal. I think my administration is going to take it in that perspective, and and go statewide and tell folks the the Miami Lake success story. 
Well, you know, it's certainly something that hasn't gotten as much play in the press because the press loves to cover scandal. Um, are there any other initiatives you'd like to mention? We just have a couple minutes left. Listen, when we when we first got elected, one of the first initiatives that we were able to to, to get done was to ensure that all of our town meetings were placed online. I mean, right off the bat, you know, folks, it, it went from having you know twenty to thirty people at our at our council meetings to having another hundred, two hundred watching from home. And I think that type of participation is is what brings the community together. One of the other things was right up, we we brought in our crossing guard program, and we ensured that that all the crossing guards were Miami Lakes residents. So they they took ownership of those positions, and they became friends with everybody. And I think it's that's been an incredible success so far. But, I mean, I could tell you the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And not only that, we were the first city. This was an initiative that, that I helped push also. We were the first city in the, United Na- in the United States to allow folks to participate from home. So if you didn't, if you didn't have an opportunity that's to, really cool, to make it actually. to the council meeting, you could record yourself on your phone, forward it to the clerk real quick, and you would pop up on the flat screens at City Hall. So those are the types of initiatives that we focused on to make sure that we were transparent, that we added an incredible amount of accessibility, and that, and that folks are just uh, happy with their town government and ensure that you know they had a voice there at uh, City Hall. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, we're going to have to catch up on that remote participation initiative. I like the sounds of that. Manny, thank you so much for joining us on the program tonight. Thank you, Grant. Have a and good. where can our audience find out a little bit more about you, Manny? Online. Well, they can visit my my website, mannysid.com, or they can visit the town's website, which is miamilakes-fl.gov. I mean, we have a wealth of information on there. My bio's on there. All my information's on there. And if anybody ever wants to take a tour of the town, I'll be more than happy to take them around and, and showcase our beautiful town. All righty. Well, that's all we have for tonight. We'll be back next Monday night. This is the Only in Miami show. Yeah, no, no.